Hello, and welcome to the Claremont Bible Fellowship Bible Instruction Time. We now turn you over to our speaker for the day. Good morning. Good morning, everybody. Good to be here. Um, I'll try to project. This little mishap I had, I uh, bruised some ribs, so... My, my deep breathing isn't quite the same as, as it usually is, but uh, I'll be all right. I've never been accused of being soft-spoken in the past, so uh, probably the opposite. But uh, thank you for your prayers. I, I do appreciate it. Um, those of you who kind of heard what happened, I was uh, walking on a sidewalk, getting ready to turn right and go into the door of a restaurant and... Uh, in Winter Park, I think I made the mistake of telling Lanny it was Winter Garden, but Winter Park, and um, uh, was raised up about seven inches off the parking lot, and somehow I just didn't look or something and and blindly went down and uh, smacked my head on the pavement. And so, uh, But the Lord takes good care of us, and thank you very much for your prayers. I, I want to thank you, too, for another thing. I've been wanting to do this for a couple of weeks now. I just didn't do it for some reason with all that was going on. And uh, just thank you for your warm welcome and love shown to us since we got here back in January. January 10th, I think we got down here. And um, uh, we've just thoroughly enjoyed getting to know you folks and being here and being allowed the privilege of uh, ministering the word. And you... You know, Don knows this. Uh, you, you go to different assemblies and you sense the receptivity of the congregation. And you folks are very receptive to the word and to the teaching. And I, I appreciate that. I know Don does when I'm sure when he speaks and others speak. So thank you very much for that. Um, we'd like to read from a, another scripture if we could, and then I'll pray. Uh, Ephesians chapter 4, please. Ephesians 4. And I want to read... Down through verse, uh, let's see, I had it all marked here and my markings went away. 11, 12, right in there somewhere, okay? Um, We're going to go further than that. Down through verse 16, 4, 1 through 16. Let's read that together. Uh, It says, Therefore, I, the prisoner of the Lord, implore you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling with which you have been called, with all humility and gentleness, with patience, showing for uh, showing forbearance, that's what I'm used to, showing tolerance for one another in love, being diligent to preserve the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. There is one body and one Spirit, just, just as also you were called in one hope of your calling, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all and through all, And in all. But to each one of us, grace was given according to the measure of Christ's gift. Therefore, it says, when he ascended on high, he led captive a host of captives and he gave gifts to men. Now, this expression, he ascended, what does it mean except that he also had descended into the lower parts of the earth? He who descended is himself also he who ascended far above all the heavens so that he might fill all things. And he gave some as apostles and some as prophets and some as evangelists 
and some as pastors and teachers for the equipping of the saints for the work of service to the building up of the body of Christ until we all attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God to a mature man, to the measure of the stature which belongs to the fullness of Christ. As a result, we are no longer to be children tossed here and there by waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by the trickery of men, by craftiness and deceitful scheming. But speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in all aspects into him who is the head, even Christ, from whom the whole body being fitted and held together by what every joint supplies according to the proper working of each individual part causes the growth of the body for the building up of itself in love. We'll stop there. Let's pray for a moment. Father, we thank you and praise you for this passage in Ephesians 4. And we thank you, Lord, that it it speaks of spiritual gifts. It speaks of the measure of Christ's gift, not only his gifts given to individuals, but also those gifted men given to the church. Both are there in the passage, and we, we thank you for those gifts. We pray that as we continue to study and learn about them, that your Holy Spirit, who is also a wonderful gift, uh, that he would teach us and lead our minds and illuminate our minds as we seek to understand your precious word. So guide us, Father, as we get back into our study today. And uh, may you help both the uh, messenger and the message and also help the listeners. Uh, help us all, Lord, that we would all be listeners to you as you speak through your word today. And we commit the time to you in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, if you have your notes, uh, I'm just going to review very quickly here today uh, the points just to bring us up to a date where, where we left off last time. Um, we're talking about these 25 principles uh, concerning spiritual gifts. And I trust that you're learning much from them. I know I am, even as I, as I go through these things. Um, we talked about, and again, I'm not going to repeat everything, just, just the high points. We talked, first of all, about their importance. Spiritual gifts are vitally important, and they truly are, and I think that is borne out in the uh, passage that we just read, as we are told that each one, individuals, have received a gift uh, according to God's will, and also the church has received gifted men. So we talked about their importance and uh, to the individual believer, to the church, the body of Christ, and also to the world. Then we talked about their source. Spiritual grace gifts are given by God, the Holy Spirit, to believers when they are born again and baptized uh, or immersed. Given by God, the Holy Spirit. Uh, they come from him, they, and they, they ultimately they come from Christ too, but... Uh, Father, Son, Holy Spirit are all involved, aren't they? And then we talked about their counterfeiting, that they can be counterfeited. Uh, Satan is certainly as one of his schemes to counterfeit the gifts and to confuse people in the church. And he certainly has done that over the, the millennia. Uh, and then we talked about, I'm not going to cover every point under that, uh, their definition, spiritual gifts are God-given abilities 
for service through which the Holy Spirit ministers to the members of the body of Christ. Uh, And we'll emphasize this a little later more today, but please keep that in mind. Now, I'm going to kind of hammer this one for a while. Uh, I trust not only today, but in the coming weeks. Keep in mind that spiritual gifts are for service, for active service. They're for us to exercise. Uh, They're not in any way meant to be something concerned with a spectator sport where we just go to church and watch and listen and then go home and then come back the next Sunday and watch and listen. This is not a spectator sport, is it? This is something where we are to be involved, and that's why God has has gifted us. Very important that we understand that. And you can look at the other uh, subpoints under the definition there. Um, and then we talked about their recipients. Spiritual gifts are given only to certain people. We know they're given only to believers, uh, to every believer in Christ. Uh, therefore, every believer is a charismatic meaning only that every believer has received the charismata, the grace gifts. Um, and we will talk in a later session um, about how many gifts each believer gets. How many gifts do you have? How many do you receive? How many does the Lord give? And we'll, we'll get into that, that concept of how many. Uh, and I, I think you'll find something a little surprising along that line maybe uh, as we go along. Um, and then we talked about their terminology. Uh, spiritual gifts are described in different ways. And uh, as, we, as we get into that, well, we saw that last time. Um, their energizings or effects, their operations, services, minist- or ministries, manifestations, uh, and grace gifts. Those are the different terms. So that's just quick review to bring you up to date as to where we left off. Um, but we want to get go, get back and get back on track here and talk about, I think I just started this point last time, their practical benefits. Very practical, very beneficial. When Christians know, this is on your outline, when Christians know, understand, and discover, and exercise, that's important, their spiritual gifts, they will see a dramatic increase in their spiritual uh, excuse me, in their motivation to serve, their effectiveness in service, and their sense of personal satisfaction. And I think I ended with this quote last time, but I'll I'll give it to you again because I thought it was so good. Dr. Lindsey Garman wrote, Common sense tells us that individuals serve most effectively and joyfully when their talents fit their tasks. How many 300-pounders are placed at the position of quarterback in the NFL. He goes on to say, too often sincere and conscientious Christians have carried heavy loads of guilt because they were expected to perform tasks for which they had little or no ability. The happiest and most effective Christian servants are those who are functioning in ministries where they can clearly recognize some sense of calling, some degree of skill, some level of enthusiasm and vision, and feel competent to serve, end quote. How many times have we known of people where they were plugged into a, uh, a ministry in a local church in an assembly for which they were not gifted at all? What happens? 
Well, they're frustrated. It doesn't take too long. They're frustrated. And other people can become frustrated because they recognize they're not gifted to do that. Uh, sometimes this occurs with, with preachers. Sometimes men are put up front, uh, not gifted at all. In fact, we, we have a gentleman in Grand Rapids. Um, uh, he's an elder in an assembly, and they ask him to speak and, and teach and preach. And he tried that for, I don't know, six or eight or nine months. And he finally came to the conclusion, as did the congregation, that he was not gifted to do that. So he's not doing that, and that's fine. He's got other gifts for other things, and that's, that's what he's doing. Um, so it, it is important that we understand that when you understand your gifts, you know your gifts, uh, it really creates that sense of mission and calling. Um, I once read a story about a, a gang, uh, not, not like a criminal gang, but a gang of a dozen workers. They were working on a street. They were drilling holes five feet deep in the street. And they would drill the hole, and the foreman would come along, and he'd look down in the hole, and he'd say, okay, fill her up. Drill some more. They kept having them drill hole after hole. And finally, the men announced, they said, we quit. Pay us off. We're done. And uh, the problem was this foreman had not told them why they were digging these holes. And they, they said, the foreman said, well, why are you quitting? He, they said, well, digging these holes and filling them up it just makes us look like idiots. <clears throat> they had no reason to dig them. They had, didn't know why they were digging them. The actual reason was they were searching, the foreman and the, the people in that town were searching for a water main that supplied people with water and something had gone wrong with it. They were trying to find it and so they could repair it. Uh, but the, the point again is um, you've got, when you know why you're doing something, you know what your purpose is and it motivates you uh, much more when you know and understand why you're doing it. Uh, to fulfill that purpose. Being involved in the church of Jesus Christ, it's so much more um, meaningful and fulfilling when it's tied to a clear purpose, when you really understand why you're doing what you're doing. Um, and sometimes Christians in the church can feel like those workers in the street digging holes with with no understanding of, of why they're doing it. So to have that that clear sense of mission and calling and, and really, it makes it much more meaningful, much more fulfilling as you serve the Lord. Uh, usually, there's a deeper satisfaction, isn't there? There's a greater sense of fulfillment. There's more perseverance. There's more commitment. Just, you know, try and put somebody into teaching fifth and sixth grade boys in Sunday school that's not gifted, that has no desire to do that. And that's part of the... That's part of it, too. Uh, when we understand what spiritual gifts are and we understand our own spiritual gifts, it creates in us a desire uh, to do a certain ministry. And uh, if you're trying to do something you don't really want to do, sincerely don't have the desire to do it, it, it makes it difficult. So I think it's important to understand that. Um, Paul explained, give you a couple of biblical illustrations of that. 1 Corinthians 9 and 2 Timothy 2. The hardworking farmer, Paul says, he plows and he sows seed and he works with uh, a certain purpose and expectation in mind. What is that? 
that he's going to partake of the fruit of his labors, right? That he's going to be able to eat or, or make a living in some way from the fruit of his labor and be able to survive. And fruit simply means results from your efforts. When we talk about fruit, it means results from your efforts. And the farmer who has no hope whatsoever of being fruitful as he works, his purpose is gone. And you know what? If he never, ever experiences any fruit from his labor, he's going to quit farming after a while. It just makes sense. Common sense, right? Jesus said this, I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him, he bears what? Much fruit for apart from me you can do nothing john 15 5 and i also think of that verse in john 15 16 where the lord said if you didn't excuse me you did not choose me but i chose you and appointed you that you would go and bear fruit and that your fruit should remain in other words we have as believers a purpose in life we have a purpose in life um and it motivates us to serve the Lord. God didn't, God did not save us and redeem us and gift us just to come and sit in a church building and be unfruitful and observe rituals and be bored. He didn't save us for that purpose, did he? Why did he save us? He saved us and he gifted us to serve him and to serve other members of the body of Christ. And that's why he gave us spiritual gifts. Now, that doesn't mean that all of us can come on a Sunday necessarily and exercise our gifts all at the same time. Obviously, we can't do that. We exercise our gifts in different ways and in different places. Uh, But we do have a purpose. And the Lord, again, back to John 15, he said, You did not choose me, but I chose you, appointed you, that you should go and bear fruit, and that your fruit should remain. I praise the Lord that he gave me a purpose in life when he saved me, right? To serve him and to serve his body, the the body of Christ. But it's also true, let's go on to another benefit, point B there. Exercising our gifts results in spiritual growth and a degree of skill. I mean a degree of skill in exercising the gifts. When we exercise our gifts, we grow spiritually And part of that growth is we grow in our skill uh, of whatever the gift is in terms of being skillful at exercising that gift. Um, I think of Apollos. This is in Acts 18.24. Now a certain Jew named Apollos, an Alexandrian by birth, an eloquent man, came to Ephesus and he was mighty in the scriptures. Now, when Apollos got saved, was he instantly mighty in the scriptures? I don't think so. No, he had to learn. He had to study. uh, He had to develop his gift. This word mighty, it means powerful and capable. That is skillful. He had to grow into that. Apollos had to grow into his gift and develop in the use of that gift. And the point reminds us that just because we are gifted by God, the Holy Spirit, it doesn't mean that we instantly are proficient in the use of the gift. We have to grow. There's a learning curve spiritually. We have to grow into that um, and develop that gift. We have to exercise it, develop it, practice it, learn how to use it. And that's true 
not only spiritually, but there's a sense if you just want to bring it into the natural realm, that's true in a, a natural realm. Uh, when you're born, everybody, whether you believe it or not, everyone is born with certain abilities and talents in the natural sense as given by God. Uh, you may be born with uh, innate talents, you know, you're athletic, you're artistic, you're a musician, you're a singer, whatever you're, you're mechanical, whatever your talent is. Um, but you still have to go through the learning curve of developing those skills. That's obvious. I think we, we can see that, uh, those, those abilities. And the same is true with spiritual gifts. The more you exercise your gifts, the more skillful and proficient you become in the use of those spiritual gifts. When Peter wrote in 2 Peter 3.18, but grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, I can't help believe, I can't help but believe that that includes the idea of growing in, in the area of spiritual gifts, growing in your skills, your abilities when it comes to spiritual gifts. That's why he says, but grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. And it's no accident that the Holy Spirit chose that word charismata, grace, gifts, to describe or, or label those, those gifts. We're to grow in that area. Um, the Apostle Paul wrote in Ephesians 4, we just read it, I'll just pick out two verses there, 15 and 16. But speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in all aspects into him. Now I could just take that phrase. We're to grow up in all aspects into him. All aspects includes growing in terms of our serving and exercising our spiritual gifts. Uh, he says, into him who is the head, even Christ, from whom the whole body, and think of spiritual gifts as we read these next words, from whom the whole body being fitted and held together by that which every joint supplies according to the proper working of each individual part. That's talking about using your spiritual gifts, isn't it? Causes the growth of the body for the building up of itself in love. Certainly spiritual growth includes growing strong and proficient in the use of spiritual gifts. 1 John 2, 13 and 14, you know that passage. John mentions three different levels of spiritual maturity. Uh, he mentions children, young men, and fathers. We become saved and we become babes in Christ or children of God. And as we mature, we mature into young men as far as a level of spiritual maturity. And as we mature even further, uh, we become spiritual fathers. And that could be you know, young women, spiritual mothers. You, you see the point. We all grow spiritually and develop in terms of spiritual levels of maturity. Uh, so there's spiritual growth talked about in Scripture. It's very clear. And that's the idea here. We all are to grow up in all aspects into him, into Christ. And that includes developing our, our spiritual gifts. But let me give you another one, another practical benefit. And that is knowing what, your, knowing what our gifts are and exercising those gifts stimulates enthusiasm and vision for the Lord's work. And one of the reasons why so many Christians do not know what their gifts are, 
uh, or do not have a zeal to exercise those gifts is because they've never really seen what they can do by the power of the Holy Spirit as they have been gifted by God and what God can do through them as they exercise uh, their gifts. Um, Once you see how God can supernaturally use you, you begin to get a vision, you begin to become enthusiastic and excited about the Lord's work, especially in terms of what he can do through you. And, And when you begin to see what God can that God can work through you to change people's lives forever, in fact, then you get excited. It just motivates you to continue serving and exercising those gifts. So let's quick illustration. Let's say that you discover and other people in the body of Christ um, affirm to you that you've got the gift of evangelism. And so you start to exercise that gift even more, trusting the Lord to use you. And you see that God is working through you to save souls and people's lives are being transformed. Well, guess what? That's going to motivate you even more to exercise that gift. And then you're going to start thinking of other ways. Well, where could I go and how, in what situations can I use this gift? And, and you could apply that logic to any, any particular gift. As you get excited and enthusiastic about your gift, you start to, because of the desire the Holy Spirit gives you, you start to think of other ways and places where you can exercise the gift. The same thing happens with the gifts of teaching, helps, exhortation, serving, leadership, whatever the gifts are. And as you use those those gifts, God works through you to produce supernatural results. Again, that that produces enthusiasm, or at least it should, okay, um, get you excited about exercising your gifts. Um, I've got a passage in mind, Second Timothy. I'm going to grab my Bible here because I don't think I put it in the, on the PowerPoint or I didn't have Nona do that. Uh, take a look, if you would, at Second Timothy chapter, where do I want to be? Chapter 1, chapter 1. Just to explain this real quick, Second Timothy 1. Six and seven, Paul says to Timothy, and Timothy had gotten a little lax, he had gotten a little timid, and he was backing off, slacking off in terms of exercising his gifts. And in chapter one, verse six, and for this reason, I remind you, Timothy, to kindle afresh, or another version might say, stir up the gift of God, which is in you through the laying on of my hands. For God is not, and there's our verse there, uh, Uh, Brother Don, God has not given us a spirit of timidity or fear, but of power and love and discipline or a sound mind. Stir up the gift, Timothy. Exercise your gifts. Paul was seeking to motivate him uh, to do that. Uh, And we are told repeatedly in the scriptures that we are to be zealous for good what? Good works or good deeds. You know, you look, you study the book of Titus, and you'll find that at least six to eight times stated where we're told to be zealous for good works. Uh, certainly, that includes exercising the gifts that God has given to us to minister to the body of Christ, for sure. Uh, so I encourage you, be zealous, be enthusiastic uh, about using the gifts that God has given each of you. And... Uh, 
as we read in Scripture, he has given those to every single believer. Um, But another benefit here, point D, exercising spiritually results in an increase in spiritual strength. That is, it keeps us from spiritual atrophy. If you sit around and do nothing, you don't exercise your gifts. Those gifts sort of lie dormant. And just like your physical body, if you don't do anything, your muscles will atrophy, right? You'll grow weak. And the same thing can happen uh, spiritually. It, It certainly is true. We want to be careful that that doesn't happen. Um, With use and exercise, those gifts can develop. They can become stronger and stronger, more and more effective. If you look at 2 Timothy 2.1, I think we have that one up there. Therefore, my son, be strong in what? The grace that is in Christ Jesus. Uh, Where do the gifts, how did we define the gifts? They're called what? Grace gifts. Be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. The gifts certainly are in Christ Jesus. Uh, And then also in Ephesians, Ephesians 6, no, Ephesians, yeah, 6.10. Do you have that one, Nona? Oh, there it is, sorry. Finally, be strong in the Lord. I'm looking down here for some reason. Be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. We're to be strong in grace. And we're to be strong in the Lord. Both of those, we can, we can grow in grace. We can grow in the use of our gifts. We can grow in strength. That's my point for mentioning those verses. We don't want to become weak. We want to grow strong in a very practical uh, sense as we exercise our gifts. It's so important. And it certainly includes the realm of the grace gifts. You know, a number of years ago, how many, and some of you have to be older to remember this. I don't expect the young people to know this. How many remember an old talk show called the Merv Griffin Show? Anybody remember that? Yeah. That's all of us old people. We, we know that show. Um, Merv Griffin had this TV program. It was a talk show. And he had a bodybuilder uh, on his show one day. And the bodybuilder stepped forward... Uh, well, actually, the first thing Merv did was he said, well, why do you, why do you develop those muscles? And the, the, the people applauded as the guy was standing there flexing his muscles, you know, and he said, why do you develop those muscles? And the bodybuilder just smiled and flexed, you know, and it's not going to do me any good to do that, especially today. Uh, <laughs> I don't have any too many to flex, but uh, so he did that, and, but the bodybuilder didn't answer him, his question. So again, Merv said, why, you know, what do you use those muscles for? And he just smiled again, and you know how they do, stuck his arms out and flexed his muscles, muscles from head to toe. He said, well, one more time. He said, um, why do you, what do you use those muscles for? Why, why do you work on that so much? And the bodybuilder was bewildered. He had no idea, except his only purpose was to pose for people to look at him, you know, that was his only reason for doing it. That's a lot of, I'll tell you, that's a lot of, um, a lot of work and pain and torture, I would say, just to have people look at you. But anyhow, my point is this, God did not give us spiritual gifts just to have people look at us and watch us use them. Uh, they weren't meant to be put on display. They were meant to be used, right? Meant for us to serve, meant for us to exercise those gifts. Um, 
they have a purpose. They're not merely for show or for spectators to watch and look at. Sometimes in the church, we even design our buildings and our seating arrangements and and our church meetings. We, We design it all to be a spectator sport rather than having Christians um, involved exercising their gifts to one another. Uh, not just to pose, you know, not just for people to look at the gifts, say, man, what, what a wonderful gift that guy has and, or that person has. Let's go and watch that gift in action. You know, we, we sometimes get caught into that, caught in that trap, and we have to be careful of that. Um, I would also say this, those spiritual exercises, I'm talking about exercising your gifts, and those disciplines, they're not simply to improve our, our pose before an, before an admiring audience like the weightlifter. They are again intended uh, to minister, to make not ourselves stronger even, like a bodybuilder, he's, he's doing that for a purpose. He's wanting to get stronger and stronger. We exercise those gifts to make each other stronger, right? To make the body of Christ stronger. And that's so important to remember. Um, and if we just, I, I would say it this way, another way of looking at it in terms of ex- physical exercise, if we spiritually just take in and take in and take in and never exercise, we're going to become spiritually flabby or obese, if you will, and we need to exercise. We need to exercise the gifts. We need to minister. We need to serve. Uh, remember all those words we use? Services, energizings, um, ministries. Those are all active words, and we need to really keep that in mind. Um, let's move on. Another benefit, finally, point E, spiritual gifts. And this is so practical. Spiritual gifts teach by example. They teach by example. The, one of the greatest benefits and results of having active and functioning spiritual gifts is that they teach us by example how to serve others in similar ways when we ourselves may not have that particular gift. In other words, as we watch other believers who are gifted in certain ways and watch them minister to others, we can learn how to do those same things even if we're not gifted that way. Quick example, I think of the gift of giving. The Bible says it's more blessed to give than to receive. You know that, Acts 20, 35. And yet some people have the spiritual gift of giving. When I think about that, I have learned more about giving from observing Christians who have the gift of giving I've learned how to give that way, even if I don't have the gift of giving. You see how it works? It's a wonderful thing. Um, I've learned, uh, in my case, you know, some people tell me I have the gift of teaching, but um, I've learned more about teaching by watching other teachers exercise their gifts. And we can do do that. So again, back to the point, um, it's these gifts teach by examples, teach us how to serve others in similar ways, even though we ourselves don't have that particular, that particular gift. So please keep that in mind. It's such a practical benefit uh, to learn by example, to learn by observing other people and how they exercise those gifts. So let me back up and let's uh, cover 
real quick, just going to um, review super fast a couple of points. Uh, we covered this last week and then today. We talked about their terminology, spiritual gifts and their terminology. Uh, terms, and I'm focusing on this just to emphasize it a little more, terms like energizings or effects or operations. Uh, they're called services or ministries. They're called manifestations. Remember, our gifts express or manifest or reveal uh, certain things about Christ. Um, and he certainly manifested himself in so many different ways. Uh, we've considered their goal and their purpose. They are given to believers in Christ for the purpose of building strength in the church, of building strength in the body of Christ, building unity, effectiveness in the body of Christ. And the intended result of all of that, the Bible says, is that God be glorified. And then we spoke of their practical benefits. When believers know and understand, they discover, well, that's what we've talked about today, they exercise their spiritual gifts, great things can happen. Great things can happen. Um, People are motivated to serve. They become more effective, more skilled, more satisfied in their service. They gain spiritual strength. They get excited about the Lord's work. And they also learn from the examples of others how to do things wherein they are not so gifted themselves. And uh, for our next session then. I just want to get, leave you with this little illustration and that will kind of lead us to the next point next time. Uh, this simple example illustrates what we will be talking about. Think about what happens when you get a speck of dust in your eye. The wind's really blowing. Good old pollen, right? And, uh, but uh, especially a speck of dust, piece of sawdust or sand or whatever. What happens immediately your hand and fingers go up to your eye and try and do something about it, right? Uh, you start rubbing your eye, you lift your eyelid up, you try and get your eyes to water, you do whatever, just to get rid of, of that speck. Um, and the point is this, each and every member in the body of Christ is necessary, just like every part of our human body is necessary. And you know what? When that happens, the speck gets in the eye, there's no debate between your brain and your hand and your fingers as to what's going to happen. And, and your, you know, other parts of your body don't have to exhort your hand. You know, you really should hurry up and get up there and deal with that speck. And No, you don't have to do that. It just happens. And wouldn't it be great if, if the body of Christ was operating, functioning so efficiently, uh, as empowered, as led by the Holy Spirit, that when there was a need, boom, it it just responded that we would just react and exercise our gifts and minister to one another. Amen? I, I mean, it happens in the physical body that way. And uh, of course, as you know from 1 Corinthians 12 and Romans 12, um, these gifts are discussed in the context of the, the body in terms of the illustration of the body. So keep that in mind. Um, and uh, as, we, as we think about next week, we're going to be looking at their designation. Uh, their designation, and it tells us the intended target of these spiritual gifts, and we'll talk about that, about that next time. Okay, Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for your word. Thank you for spiritual gifts. Uh, Lord, sometimes we take them for granted. 
We take them for granted in the sense of uh, that we even possess them. Sometimes we don't give enough attention to them. Uh, but Lord, your Holy Spirit, who dwells in each believer, uh, is very concerned about them. He has imparted them to us, these gifts, and he creates the desire in us to do certain things in terms of service. And Lord, the, the key for us is to respond to him, to yield to the Spirit, to walk in the Spirit, uh, to obey the Spirit and his word, and uh, follow those desires. And Lord, we, we are reminded of the psalmist who said uh, that he who delights himself in the Lord, the Lord will give him the desires of his heart. And Lord, we pray that we would see those desires fulfilled as you have placed them there and that they would be fulfilled in service as we exercise our gifts and as we serve one another in the body of Christ. Again, may it be done for the glory of God and the glory of our Savior. We pray in his name. Amen. Thank you.